Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. Okay, hey guys, and welcome. I'm super excited today to have a good friend of mine, Darcy Juarez. Darcy has spent the last 18 years creating some of the most successful product launches and marketing systems in the direct response industry. She's the right-hand person to godfather of direct response marketing, Dan Kennedy, and she's worked with countless big names in the industry. She's really developed and refined marketing systems for building quality leads, decreasing costs, and well, there's just so much stuff I want to talk about. Darcy is the person that I call when I've got a marketing challenge. And that's how high regard that I hold her in. Without any further ado, let me say welcome to the show, Darcy. Thanks, Dan. So happy to be here. It's good to see you. Ever since I've been about 21 years old, I've been to the United States on average, I think about six times a year for, you know, best part of two decades now. And now it's been over 15 months, I think, before I've been in the US. I miss you. I miss you too. You know, if I knew the last time we saw each other that it was going to be the last time I got to travel... I might have done some things differently, but that was my last trip was out to the UK to see oh, you. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. It was like November, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a few months before it kicked off. Well, actually, that's a great place to start. Like, how did we first meet? <laughs> yeah, right. So this is something you and I will never forget. Uh, we met during a marketing contest with Infusionsoft, right? They were doing a marketer of the year contest. I had submitted my stuff prior to their deadline and you went and talked your way into them extending the deadline so that you could get your stuff in. Before we knew it, three of us, myself and you and a a third friend now, the three of us have become great friends, right? We're the finalists for that marketing contest. And unfortunately, I did not walk away with the car. So I will tell everybody consistently for the last however many years that you managed to steal that car from me. Well, you're welcome. It was a lovely Porsche Cayman, as I recollect. Albeit, yeah. I must confess, that I just turned that car into cash as quickly as I could. No shame admitting that I definitely played the audience well because it was done by audience votes. And uh, out of myself, yourself, and Sean Greeley, who's also been on this podcast a few years ago, I should have, by merits, come dead last from a marketing prowess point of view, which, which is why we're here today and why I'm so happy, actually, that you're speaking at the upcoming Success Mastermind meeting. So, Darcy, I know you are still involved at GKIC, Dan Kennedy's former business as the chief business strategist, and you run a lot of the mastermind programs over there. Tell me, I know the US is similar, not on the exact same time frame, but similar to the UK. Uh, it feels like the UK is ready to, you know, everyone's itching and ready to get back out there. And the businesses that you've seen succeed over the pandemic, what have been the key differences that you've spotted from the kinds that you've been working with, the, the ones who really thrive versus the ones who faltered. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So the minute it hit, right, the pandemic hit, and I think across the world, so where you are, where I am, you know, on a dime, right? Boom, everything's shut down, business the way we know it, no longer operating. And I don't think there's a single business that was not affected by that. Like even as a coaching and consulting business, right? We lost the ability to have people live and in front of us. We do two-day workshops. I had intensives, you know, that we had planned that we had to turn virtual. Businesses had were shut down, restaurants shut down and flipping to having to go, you know, and find a creative way to do that. And so the ones that were able to move the fastest 
right? They had built their businesses on, you know, what I like to call a concrete, a solid foundation. Most businesses are built on sand. It can look like you've got a whole castle. You could have a whole palace. You could have everything built up, but what's underneath it is really kind of sand. So the minute that water comes, you know, the whole thing can come crashing down. And so right about, we're, we're approaching really the one year anniversary, at least here in the United States, we shut down on March 10th. So we're at one year. And when that happened, those businesses that were built on that sand, that water came in and they just crumbled. And so the biggest thing that the businesses that were able to move faster and pivot and change and adapt is that they had a direct connection, a lasting connection. They had a relationship with their customers. And so for every business that looks different. And many people think, well, I mean, I'm a restaurant, like what would I have? Or I'm a clothing store, like what kind of a relationship would I have with my customers? But when we really just think that, oh, they'll remember to come back and they'll, they like me, so they'll do this. That's not how it's built. And so there's a lot of, you know, specific things that you can do. But when we really think about the principles that drive human behavior, the principles that drive why people respond, why they do what they do, and we we learn those and we understand them, those then can drive our strategies, which then tell us, okay, here's the strategy of what, what I want. So one of the strategies that, again, the businesses that sol- built on solid foundation is all about positioning. If you are seen as the same as everybody else, if you are seen as just anybody, and you're not positioned as the expert that you are or providing a service or a product that people, you know, really want, then you're going to become a commodity. And that's what really like happened about this time that last year. And so restaurants and businesses that had that direct and lasting connection, that relationship, that ability to reach out, they had people that wanted to help them. They were able to make that shift faster. The disruption is only going to continue, right? In, in the sense that there's a lot of businesses have gone out of business. It's still going to be, for a period of time at least, restrictions. And also habits have changed. You know, whether you talk about some of my investments as you're in the in the health and fitness industry, you know, the rise of Peloton and yeah, a whole host of just really great examples. And yet it creates an opportunity, but it also kind of increases this divide. Uh, the ones that succeed, you can have two gyms one that's thriving and making money despite the lockdown and others that are on the edge of bankruptcy. I mean, you spoke a little bit about it, but could you elaborate more about what, what creates that solid foundation? Before I get into that, you just reminded me of something too, which is as the businesses reopen. So this is the bit mistake. I, I also work a lot with dental practices here in the United States. We kept warning them that this was going to happen. So if you're in a, if you're in a business where there's pent up demand because they have not been able to come into you, so when those restrictions are lifted, right, there's going to be this, there's going to be this elation period where people are racing to you, you know, crawling over broken glass to get into, be able to come into your gym, be able to come into your restaurant, whatever that might be. So there's that pent up demand, but that pent up demand is going to quickly fall. And so if you don't have the systems in place to be able to, so it's going to go up, but then it's going to come back down. We, we you know, we kept saying it's going to be a W recovery, not a V. Right. So it's not a we drop to the bottom, it's going to come right back up, but it's going to go back down because that pent up demand is going to wane. And so you have to, as a business owner, you have to be looking at that saying, okay, what am I going to do to capture that pent up demand? But then what am I going to do to make sure that that continues and I don't dive back down? Right. That's just my one warning on that. 
And then so solid foundation, what do we want to do with that, right? Well, so one, we want to create, we want to have, and so if we don't already have that, we need to create a lasting relationship with our customers. We have to have a way that we're staying in communication, whether that's a newsletter, whether that's email, whether that's direct mail, whether we're sending them letters and thank yous, and whether that's a podcast, whether that's a Facebook group, there are a lot of different tactics to run that same strategy. And so what you want to think about is what are the strategies that I should be doing? So one, direct lasting communication with your customers. Two, how you're positioned, how you're seen. As things open up, as people go to that, you won't want to be seen as a commodity because commodity is where people really make judgments based on price. And my guess is, you know, if they're with you, Dan, that they don't want to have that price conversation over and over again. They don't want to be judged by who's the who's the less price, like that's who I'm going to go to. Well, that's not just one tactic to be able to do that, but that's thinking about how you're going to position this, who you're going to talk to, because price is not the driving force for the majority of the population, but it is the only question that most people know how to ask. So if you don't give them other things to ask, if you don't help them understand how to be a better buyer of your products and services, then they are going to default to the only question they know how to ask, which is, how much is this going to cost? There's a lot of tactics that we want to do in order to position you so that you are seen as an expert, so that you are seen as the premium. So you are, so people are coming to you. So with GKIC, who's now called Magnetic Marketing, for the reason that the whole goal is to magnetically attract your ideal customer have them coming to you. Because when you change that position from you going out and telling people, hey, you should work with me or you should come into my business to instead having people wanting to choose you and asking you for that, that entire position changes. And so that's going to open a lot of doors and do a lot of things for you. So positioning, uh, you have to be unique. You have to be able to express how you are unique. Why should I choose your business over anybody else's? In today's age, there are so many options that we forget that we're not only competing against our direct competitors, we've got indirect competitors. So if I'm an orthodontist, I'm also now competing against the, you know, send away and and we'll send or we'll send braces to, you know, to you. You don't even have to come in. So I'm, I'm, I'm fighting against the ones that are in the malls, the pop-up shops, the things like, and I'm also fighting against doing absolutely nothing. So this whole paralysis because of the analysis, right? There are so many options. I just get fed up and I don't know what to do. So more and more people are looking for somebody to help me make the right decision for somebody to help me feel like I am making the right decision for me, for my family, for whatever it is that I'm looking for. So I think those are the two biggest ones that, that you really want to do. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to serve your business well, not just in the next coming months, but really for the lifetime of your business. There's a predisposition I find with a lot of smaller business owners, especially the ones who are struggling, and that's not a coincidence, where they, they get enamored with tactics what could you just define for for us the difference between tactics and strategy? And I shouldn't say, by the way, our last mastermind meeting we had uh, Jay Abraham speak. So hmm. and he, he touched only a little, but he touched a little bit into the strategy of preeminence. What's the difference between strategy and tactics, and why is why do we get obsessed with the uh, tactics when we should be on the first principles? Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's even just talk about the strategy of marketing, right? Um, so the strategy is I want more new customers, right? So how am I going to go about getting new customers? The tactic that most people jump into first is, well, 
I heard that Susie down the street is there is doing really well with Facebook ads. I need Facebook ads. But I heard that John over there is getting leads from LinkedIn or getting customers from LinkedIn. But then I was just at this mastermind or this meeting and they were talking all about TikTok or Clubhouse. Right? 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 So, oh, I need that because I need more new customers. Right? But so we jump, we tend to jump first into that tactic, but we don't think about the strategy of how am I going to actually attract the lead? And then where is the right place for me? Because TikTok might be right for certain for certain businesses, but it might not be right for your business. And so we jump to the tactic first, the tactic of like, where should I place my lead, but we or place my ad, but we never had the conversation and the strategy about how am I going to message this? What who am I looking to attract? What are they going to do once they come? Right? Thinking through that whole thing because then the tactic becomes really easy. So we get so we get so in the weeds on that tactic but we don't actually work the strategy or the strategy might be, I want to be positioned as an expert. And then there's going to be, you know, 20 different tactics that we can do. You can write a book, you can be published, you can be seen on TV, you know, you can have a podcast, you can, you can do all of these different tactics that are going to be right. They might not be right for your business. So you've got to decide which ones are going to be right for your business. And with the goal of that strategy, that we're looking to do. And if you start from the principle of, again, like the human behavior, this is what marketing is attempting to do. And I want to magnetically attract. And so these are the principles and the principles won't ever change. Here's the other thing about it. Principles don't change. So Facebook can't be a principle because Facebook can go away. And there was a, a time, right, Dan, you and I both know there was a time in which we marketed without Facebook. There was a time when we used yellow pages. There was a time when we used facts. There was a time when we used these things, right? So those are just the tactics. Those I, are just I, I remember when Google paperclip was a new thing. <laughs> I remember when you could get a 300% ROI in within 30 days. So uh, when you understand the principle of what you're looking to do, which you, you guys talk about principles of financials, principles of business ownership, right? That's understanding the principle so that then you you become really secure and you really feel comfortable in the tactics that you're going to go do because you know what you're looking for. You know when to know that you've had success and we can just change a tactic. But we've got to first know what our strategy is. We've got to first know what the principle is that we're following. How do you begin to evaluate it, Darcy? So if, if you were helicoptered in to a business in the UK, whether that be a restaurant or whether that be a, a gym or whether that, whether that be a small marketing agency, um, who normally have the biggest problems identifying with their own marketing. <laughs> like, how do you assess where to start? Like, what do you, do you have a checklist that you go uh, through? Like, what, what's, your, what's your kind of an internal checklist that you use to figure out what's going on from a marketing perspective and what needs to be fixed? Yeah, absolutely. So we, I will sit down first and say, let's map out, right? Let's take a look, walk me through so I can visually map it on a piece of paper, walk me through how you acquire a customer. Right. So then where are they coming from? What, where are your lead, like lead sources or where's your traffic? What are we running? Right. And so from a very, very high level, just map it out. Then it's going to be now show me those. So let's look and see, are, do we have a consistent message? Is, um, is our message clear? Do we know what we want people to do? Or have we just hired a bunch of people to go out and run Facebook ads, but the face they, they're in charge of deciding what the Facebook ad says, right? And somebody else is over here in charge of what the uh, LinkedIn ad says. And then somebody else is placing something in the newspaper, which may not have anything to do with it. 
are we then utilizing all of the, so I always call it the yes, no tree, right? Most people who create anything, create it with the idea that somebody is going to say yes in mind. So I place an ad, I want them to call my business, right? Then they're going to schedule an appointment. Then they're going to come into my business. Well, the percentage of people who actually do the yes that you want is low. So the real money and the opportunity lies in the people who said no. So what if they saw your ad, but did not call you? So there's a lot of opportunity for what we can do that we can take advantage of and we can find this. So we can double businesses simply by by shoring up some of those holes in the bucket and finding where the biggest opportunity is. And in every business, it's in different places, right? So maybe you have people come in or you present a sales offer and then they they go away. So maybe it's a, a higher priced decision that they need to make. So they're not going to make it right on the spot because I didn't come in to buy a water bottle today. I came in to join a coaching program or decide on personal training, right? And so I need more information. And so I can either have marketing doing the heavy lifting. So when they come in, they already have all that information. They're ready to make the decision and I just have to move them over the edge. But maybe I have people leave. So what if I created, we, we always start with three steps, right? The fortunes in the follow-up. So three steps to follow up with them. We call it an appointment, no sale. So I met with them, but I didn't make the sale. And so what I want to have happen is that that goes off, that starts automatically. It's not because you remember to do it or John remembered to do it or Susie remembered to do it, but it happens automatically. So we have a process, we have a system in place. You know, and if we even just use an 80-20 rule, if we found 20% in every one of those places, what would that do for the business? So it's not, this is going to solve all problems, but if we put all of a handful of those things in place, it could really change the economics of the business and it really could change the outcome of the business. So that's what I would normally do. I would sit down and say, walk me through the process Let me see from a high level. Then let's take a look at the messaging. So do we have a position? What are we doing? How do we want the world to see us? What do we want them to know about us? How should they work with us? And then we can restructure the message to kind of match that. We can answer the questions that they have. We can help them make that buying decision and then have it be so that you are the only person that they want to work with for that buying decision. So now it's not a, I can compare you against or, okay, thanks for answering all my questions. I'm going to go choose this other attorney because he was cheaper. I'm loving this. It makes me think, Darcy, about beliefs, specifically limiting beliefs, because I don't know about you, but I see all the time where you can pull out the tool, right? And say, right, okay, this this pen is what's going to fit, you know, put this in place and this is going to fix your problem. But inherently, people will have some belief that doesn't serve them. Uh, let me get some leading up to ask you about what, what are the most commonly held beliefs that don't serve the business owner that you observe. Uh, I'd be curious to know what that is. So a great example happened to me only in the last few weeks. So I had a, a client that created a program. They were kind of pivot in the business that they were doing a particular type program and they wanted to effectively rebrand it. It was a reversion of the same thing with some new bells and whistles, but they wanted to totally differentiate it. For legal reasons, they wanted to move away from being aligned with A and towards B, right? So they got this B thing and they were really struggling to make the sales, Darcy. And I said, okay, what's what's going on? I said, have you gone to all your buyers of A to sell them the new and improved B? And they said, no. I said, why not? She said, well, like they haven't got the money and it's the same thing anyway, so they're not going to buy it. 
And I remember thinking they had it's a relatively high price point program. So they're not saying widgets for a dollar ten. You know, it's an expensive program. And and I said you had hundreds of people buy A, and all they needed was like five percent of those people to buy B, and it would be a slam dunk home run for the first time out of the gate for the launch of this product. Right? I I remember just I had to almost well, we're on zoom but would have physically sh- shook them if they'd been in the room and say no no this is where all the sales is but they'd come in kind of going no those people won't buy this because they bought that what by the way and then when they did that absolutely it worked that was the example of the, the the principle it wasn't any profound epiphany or doing the right text messaging or or switching media or so what are examples of beliefs that you see business owners have that don't serve them, that kind of hold them back and prevent them from doing the doubling up and finding the money in the nose, for example? Yeah, so many of them, right? And you just reminded me, I, I found this, I, I always, my, I laugh because I will find myself going down what I call rabbit holes. I'll be looking for something, usually for a presentation or, or to teach something, right? And I'll be going through and looking for it. And then I find myself watching hours and hours of video and, and going, wait, how did we not use this and stuff like that? But anyway, I found this literally one answer. Somebody asked a question to Dan and said, like, how do I fix my no-show rate, right? So I'll get back to your question, but how do I fix my no-show rate? And, you know, and so what, what is the answer that most people give? Well, tactically, well, you should SMS, you should text, remind them, you should make sure that you have emails going out. You should have somebody call, right? Those are all tactics. And Dan said, okay, you know, at some point, so Dan's famous for saying there's a GE spot, a good enough spot, right? Like we're the, the changes that we're going to make are not going to be any better. And he said, no, the real answer is you have to be positioned in a way in which people will walk over broken glass. So they will cancel every other appointment, not yours. And so if there is not one tactic that will solve that problem. Right. So one of the beliefs, right, is that you, you can't just focus on those tactics. You really have to learn and understand where they're going. But so to answer your question, the bigger beliefs that probably limit people, right? One, that people choose on money, that price is the thing. And that really stops them. And then I think just your own personal relationship with money, that's going to be too much. I shouldn't charge that much, right? Or I'm charging that for just this little thing where really people make a buying decision based on the value that they're going to get. And so again, that's going to go into the positioning. That's going to go into a lot of the things that we do. I see a lot of the, if I start to market, like people are going to think like I'm bad or especially in professional services, right? Like I, I shouldn't have to market. People should just choose me. And so it's a lot of those mindsets around that. Um, I really shouldn't be seen as better. That's being, you know, that's bragging or people will think bad of me if I, you know, am in that kind of a light and stuff like that. So most of them are around money. There's so much more I want to talk about, but we are, we are out of time. Now you're speaking at the event, the Success Mastermind event coming up on March 23rd and 24th. It's funny. Obviously, in the UK, we say the 23rd and 24th of March, but just when, when, when I speak to an American, I, I put the uh, March 23rd, 24th. Give us a give, a, give us a 10 second teaser. What 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 can they expect for the, for the guys that are going to be in on that presentation? Yeah. So we're going to break down these foundations and talk a lot more about exactly what you need to have, what's included in those foundations and kind of the three biggest mistakes that most people make when they start marketing. And that's going to be about the tactical mistakes that they make without thinking about the strategies. And so what strategies should you be thinking about for your business? 
And then what are the tactics that you can use to make that strategy work? So I'll give examples in some of the places where we didn't have time to go into those today, into all the different pieces that you would want to look at in order to do that for your business. We'll dive deeper into those things and really kind of talk about those three biggest mistakes. Super excited, Darcy. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I'm sure the guys can too. And I I look forward to uh, seeing you in a few weeks' time. Yep. Thank you. Look forward to being there virtually. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners. 